0: Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Triple Feature. We are back with a new theme. Let us introduce ourselves first. Um, I'm Emma.
1: I am Sick Freddy.
0: Oh. <laughs> Freddy's a little sick, but
1: he's Sips doing tea. good.
0: And our third host is.
1: Sea Bear. She Not sick. Is not sick. (laughs) Reported not sick.
0: Emma is also kind of sick, but we don't need to get into it.
1: Um, I'm fucking ill. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, we're good. We're just, you know, three people talking about movies. And we're getting into our theme for the month of December, which is holiday movies. And our theme is called Festive-cember. Woo!
1: woo
2: <laughs> festive Sember. Oh, <yeah. laughs>
0: so I hope y'all are excited to watch some Christmas movies. Uh, basically, the criteria for this month was the three of us kind of just picked our favorite Christmas movie, I think. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure that's. That's how, yeah. it, that's how it's yeah. shaken down. That's what I did. Um, and you know, you know, maybe maybe a year from now we'll have different criterias for our festive movies. But for now, uh, we're gonna watch our favorite, the three, you know, the, between the three of us, our favorite movies to watch around this time. And the title of this episode is Connor's pick for festive December. Which is 1990's Home Alone. Um, Definitely a crowd favorite. Definitely a people pleaser kind of movie. So we're excited to talk about it. Especially in
2: the box office. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) A 25
1: Days of (laughs) Christmas ABC Family staple.
0: Yes.
2: Oh, yes. If you are
0: watching Macaulay Culkin, kick some wet bandit ass on cable television when you were in 6th grade I don't know what you were doing um, you were a loser I guess
2: God, so. nailed up by Tim <laughs> Allen's <laughs> the Santa Claus yeah <laughs> oh,
0: God. Um. no obviously joking but um, if you haven't seen Home Alone you're probably a weirdo so um, <laughs> maybe watch it I don't know <laughs>
1: Uh, Audience, if you haven't seen Home Alone, uh, comment, email us, tell us if you're a weirdo or not.
0: (laughs) Um, You sick freaks. Seabear, what were some of the movies that you've been watching recently?
2: Oh, yes. So to get prepared for this episode, I rewatched, obviously, Home Alone. Uh, Then I put on Home Alone 2 to see how that holds up. Still pretty fun movie for a sequel. Does all the bait and switch stuff that sequels do, repeating jokes and maybe subverting your expectations. Still fun. Um, but I did it because it's still uh Chris Columbus and John Hughes on it. And then I also rewatched uh National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, because that is also written by John Hughes. I'll have a lot to say more in the discussion, but those are still Christmas classics, in my opinion. And then uh, over the weekend, me and Tasha finally watched Saw X Gonna Give It To You, Baby. I was <laughs> Saw that was X Gonna, gonna give we've It been To You. Te-
0: we've been teasing that since episode
2: oh, one of Triple Feature Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed Saw X. I think it's for a franchise where, like, <laughs> the. Like where the tagline was, it's not how it's not Halloween unless it's saw Um, where every movie came out every year um, until Paranormal Activity uh, dethroned it. And then Paranormal Activity became that next year's Halloween theme. And then now we've just slowly having got those analyze and annual like Halloween movies like that in a while. But with Saw X, it's a return to form. It's directed by Kevin, who is the main editor on all the Saw movies. Uh, And and Kevin we trust because he's the one that made Six, which is the ultimate fan favorite. And this one is harking back to the old saws. After Spiral and Jigsaw, it's just finally back to see the sh- like the very bad editing, the quick cuts, yeah. <laughs> the the very bad like blue tint, blue green tinted you know world that we live in, and just Tobin Toba Bell's a treat. The the film takes place in between Saw one and two, and so it's still like crazy how they have to fit that in because again like in 3 they kill Tobin Bell's character the main guy and so for a franchise to like drag out to the 10th movie and it's them going back and adding even more lore is kind of insane it's it's like fast and furious at this point where it's it's so soap opery that you just you just love it cuz any dumb twist that they add in lore you're just like oh yeah
1: <laughs> like this rolls you're like no um, fucking way
2: yeah, the twists in this are not the greatest, but they're they're still like they did blow me away. Um me and Tasha liked it. The kills are great, but uh for horror for horror this year, for like something like that, I think Thanksgiving has the best like kills. Um, but I'm still I I if they want to keep making more saws, I'm I'm all for it. As long as they're like Saw X. And then lastly, right, cool. I yeah, lastly, I rewatched Nacho Libre in a long time.
0: You haven't seen Nacho Libre in a long time.
2: Oh yeah, this was like this the reason why I wanted to talk about it, is that like, this movie is such a weird weird movie of it is a Nickelodeon produced movie starring Jack Black oh, I didn't where he wants to be
0: that was a Nickelodeon
2: film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is Nickelodeon produced. It's from the guy that made Napoleon Dynamite. And once when you uh-huh. start it, you go, oh yeah, this is Napoleon Dynamite vibes. And it's just a weird acclamation of what was marketed to kids in 2006. Because <laughs> like, I feel like if this movie was made today, it would just be this little indie darling that everyone was like, oh, like look how cute and quaint this movie is. Whereas like, <laughs> like this movie has the kid jokes where like at random points, you know, Jack Black, you know, let's one rip, like has like a fart joke and it's like, like added in post. But like, other than that, like, it's such a small micro movie that it's insane that it released in theaters, but only because of the fact of like they knew Nickelodeon knew they were going to make up for it in a TV, TV broadcasts and B DVD sales. This was around the time where like studios would just make these low budget movies like that and go, yeah, if it doesn't make money in the box office, who cares? As long as the DVD sales go go nuts. So it's just a very just a very, very fascinating movie that I still like to kind of go back on. Um, But it's, it's no Napoleon Dynamite, but it's still it's still good.
0: I have not seen Nacho Libre since I was in high school. I remember really enjoying it. Mainly because I think Jack Black is awesome. And I think Freddie might have an amazing Jack Black... um, uh, What is the word I'm looking for? Uh, Um, Segway. Segway? Into what you've been watching recently.
1: So, well, first I was going to say, you were talking about the indie the indie darling thing i think the only reason that it's not that is because napoleon dynamite was like the indie so darling true and then it's like nacho libre it came right after that so then of course it's like no we want to give you we want to give you the budget we want to give you the release because you were able to make this huge movie
2: exactly. with like no it's not support even huge. before that's the thing is, it's like it's. It feels like Wes Anderson sprout, where like all Wes Anderson movies still feel indie, even though like he has the budget now. Like it still has that like, to anyone can do it type of type of vibe, you know? Yeah. Like, well, in it's like
0: style.
2: Well, I know that, but like it's style,
0: you know?
2: And yeah, and that's what I'm saying with Nacho Libre that it still voice. has that vibe. Like, it's, it's all shot in Mexico, but it's nothing, like, super extravagant like you would see in big blockbusters. It's still, like, very, very... Like, the plot, again, is just... Jack Black just wants to be a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> like he wants to change his life. That's There's, there's nothing really big and over the top with it and that that's what's just crazy to me is is how nickelodeon would make these types of movies and go hey kids will like it
1: yeah yeah well you know what else Because jack black
2: hosted the kids choice awards
1: yeah you know jack black he he's wanted to change his life multiple times one time he wanted to find love and that time was the holiday <laughs> What <laughs> which is segue. what which is what i watch. um
2: bang Europe up a movie nancy <laughs> meyer what a director
1: so um me emma faith and cameron all watched the holiday last night
0: a little double datesy
1: yeah this is the only movie that i watched the last weekend i was i was visiting family and stuff so i didn't have a ton of time to watch movies. Visiting family,
0: going to concerts,
1: Yeah, I did. Sick. I did. I saw Wolf Mother, and then I got sick the next day.
0: Huh. It's almost like being around a whole bunch of people...
1: <sighs> Crazy. ...during
0: flu season is who detrimental could, to your health.
1: Who could have predicted such tragedy? <laughs> that Wolf Mother concert was great, though. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, Worth every penny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh... So, The Holiday, um, it is, we talked about this a little bit, it is a, I'm blanking, the, it's a, it it, it essentially is, like, super self-aware of the fact that it is a rom-com movie, and, like, (laughs) that's the point of it. It's, like, a rom-com Christmas movie, so it really, um heightens everything up yeah it like heightens everything up everything's very self-aware like jack black's character he is a uh he makes scores for movies um cameron diaz's character
0: cameron diaz makes movie
1: trailers she makes movie trailers um
0: kate winslet is a works for a publishing company in london
1: and then the man that kate winslet befriends the old man was a film writer Mm -hmm. and And, jude
0: law is also an editor yes not a film editor but uh it's very it's all like they're all tied to media in some place in some way
1: and so like they use that a lot to like make direct references like when the old guy is like this is our meat cute Mm -hmm. and it's like oh okay Mm -hmm. um
2: <laughs> or they go to blockbuster? But, like it's a yeah, cute... the blockbuster
0: scene is cute.
2: Yeah, where he's like so riffing
0: on all of the scores from all of the DVDs that he picks up. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is great.
1: It's it's just a cute, it's a cute feel good movie. And there's like a couple things that I like that I think are really neat. Like I was talking about the cinematography in the one scene where they uh, uh, Cameron Diaz and the brother, I don't remember his name now. Um, they go on their date and she's all nervous and like they're trying to introduce each other and then they do like a very obvious like cross the 180 degree line between the two of them like it goes behind the brother's head like to the other side and then as soon as they get to the other side of the 180 degree line then she's like super comfortable and like the rest of the scene is their date Mm. going like super well um so it's just like neat they got it's like a it's clearly made by a bunch of people that just like really like movies, and they like and really to like rom coms Yeah, we want to make a really good rom com. So I
0: it's the equate Nancy Meyer this, charm. I equate this because I also watched this movie, so I'll talk about it just briefly. To I wrote it in my review on Letterbox. I said this movie is to rom com what Scream is to horror films. It's super meta. <laughs> yeah. And it's super earnest, too. It's made, like, Scream is made by a bunch of people that love horror movies. And I felt the same way about The Holiday. And it's like, it's not a parody of rom-com. It's like a meta rom-com. It's yeah. like they are earnestly that's, making a rom-com. They're bringing it back. They're, yeah. they're being super cheesy and they're hitting every trope that you could think they could hit. Yeah. They they don't miss a
1: beat. Well, they're like, what do you want from us? Mm-hmm. Do you want us to like not make this? We're making a cheesy rom-com. You want us act like that's not what we're yeah, making? Exactly. Like, come on now. Yeah.
0: And so, yeah, I kind of felt, I felt mm. that kind of like after I was just like, that was so cheesy and and so soap opera but it was just very self-aware <laughs> yeah
2: they even do the you run you just can't they gotta do the run you can't just help be swept away by the movie yeah, like yeah. It's, so, it's hard not to it's so lovable yeah. I, I love the scene where I think isn't it like Jack, Jack Black's getting breaking up with with his girl oh yeah and the score the score is playing like it's super like heightened like score but if you look at Jack Black his fingers are playing the score yeah. that's happening yeah it's, and it's just it's like like someone pointed it out on TikTok <laughs> I think I saw on the TikTok I was like dude's mother like dude is literally Steven Spielberg in the Fablements yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh, just like oh my like, god that's so funny like, No, yeah. like in the Fablements recording your parents like divorce and then in this it's like like scoring your breakup yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah, we had we had a good time watching it mm-hmm. um, It's that was Faith's pick so we're gonna watch we're gonna try to get through all four of us but yeah. all, all four of us are gonna pick a Christmas movie to watch together so that was Faith's pick, and we got to um, see what Cameron's is. So Faith was really uh, having a good. She was just she was getting really mad at the Rufus Sewell character. She was like, "This oh yeah guy <laughs> like." And of course, you are. You're supposed to hate that guy because he sucks. But
1: he sucks so <laughs> much. Jude is so daddy. He literally says, "I
0: am daddy," and I was I like, am
1: daddy. "Wow, this is uh,
0: this was made in 2006." <laughs> 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 oh, anyway, um, so yeah, I also watched the holiday. Other than that, the last time we recorded was Thanksgiving Day. So that night, I watched Fantastic Mister Fox because it's a great Thanksgiving film, and it has all the Thanksgiving vibes and it's Wes Anderson and um, it's just a lot of fun to watch in that season. I watched The Hunger Games The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes the new Hunger Games movie that came out uh, recently um, I didn't love it I didn't <laughs> um, I, I found it to be very convoluted and um, not very coherent uh, and way too long for it not to be oh, yeah. coherent. It's a, like if you are gonna, if, it, if it's gonna be two hours and forty five minutes, your story better makes sense, and it doesn't. Um, and other than that, I watched another twenty twenty three release because Blue Beetle, the the DC uh, superhero film that came out in August of this year, is now on Max. Watched it. Um, I don't really have a lot to say about it other than Tejano representation.
1: <laughs>
0: That's all I have to say is I love my Tejano representation.
2: Um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool that it got a theater release because yes. it was originally yes. a Max. It was, it was originally a Max original. Yeah. It was um, supposed to go to there. Then they were like, oh, this could be a theater versus the opposite that happened to Batgirl. But yeah, I didn't press. <laughs> George
0: Lopez singing. um Bitty bitty bum bum, just I was just oh like, okay, here we go. Like this is oh, this is me. <laughs> I love this. Um, That's good. Yeah. Um,
1: Singing some Selena.
0: Yeah, got some Selena in there. Yes. <laughs> got to get my Tejano representation. So yeah, uh, the movie rider. that I want to talk about a little bit more, I watched uh, for the first time, 1954's Rear Window from Alfred Hitchcock and. This movie rocks. It is a yeah. great, um, it is an amazing, Let's go. like crime noir thriller, detective, but also kind of like situational comedy, almost in a way. But what I love the most about this movie is the set design—the oh, okay. the apartment complex yeah. that they basically built on a sound stage. And the way that you get to know all of the neighbors, not necessarily because the entire film takes place inside of um, his name is uh, Lewis or something, but it's played by it's played by um, Jimmy Stewart, and um, so the entire thing takes place inside of his apartment. But he's crippled to his, you know, he is subjected to his wheelchair and he can't really do anything he um has broken his leg and so he spends a lot of time looking out his window and we the way that we learn so much about characters just from him looking into their little lives through their little boxes like their windows uh, without actually interacting with them face to face is and it's not you know obviously it centers around one specific neighbor who he suspects murdered his wife yeah but there are other neighbors that he is also paying attention to and thus we're paying attention to and so i just think it is a wonderful way of using a sound stage and using like a set um almost theatrical yeah. in a way yeah. like almost like it's a stage production but you can't do something like this on the stage because it's so grand of a set. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, you know, I, I know Connor, you've seen this movie. Freddie, have you seen rear window before? I
1: haven't. I've seen okay. parts of it, but
0: um, it's just really, uh, really gorgeous. Um, production. Like I've seen, the, I've
1: seen the opening shot where they do like
0: the, yeah. they
2: pan across all of the mm-hmm. different oh. windows. Yeah. It's a good shot. Yeah. yeah. It's a great shot. It really is. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it in college because I saw this in. I forget who who the. I saw it at the teacher Freddie that uh, runs the museum for the art building. She had uh, a class or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um. um but she, so like, I forget what class it was, but I was in her class, and she showed it because she wanted to uh, talk about the male gaze mm-hmm. in like oh, yeah, art absolutely. and stuff. And then, that, so, that's a huge she,
0: part of this movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah and so I, all I remember was watching the movie loving it, falling in love with it and I'm a graphic design major and I had so much to say about the filmmaking itself that she pulled me aside and said, are you sure you're a graphic design major? Because like <laughs> I, like, be a like, film I was the only one that yeah. yeah, like I was the only one that raised my hand being like, but like the, like you noticed Emma, like yeah, the cinematography like pants and like going there and focusing on this and like all this stuff and like I think there was like three people that were like film majors and they had nothing to say it's just like what is going on yeah. yeah
0: and i just think i mean alfred hitchcock definitely knows his way around a camera definitely knows his way around actors he knows how to make actors look a certain way to portray a specific message there's this one scene of because as, as well as like the mystery and the crime there's also this like romance aspect and it's basically like two people that are in love with each other but like can't really find a way to fit into each other's lives and at first so he's like super um like dead set on this guy murdered his wife and this woman who comes to visit him every night is like i don't think so but then she sees something that is like oh, okay, tell me everything you know. Yeah. Um, And that's just, like, a really cool, and the way that, like, it zooms in on her. But there's this other scene where... Because she, she's able to, like, move and she's able to walk. And so she's kind of, like, doing what he can't do. Yeah. And so she leaves and she goes and, like, sneaks around and, like, tries to do things. And she comes back and comes into the apartment and she just starts, like, spouting all the information that she found out. But it doesn't focus on her talking. It focuses on his face and the way his face just lights up because he's like, oh, my God. Like, she's so interested in this like we have this connection with each other and it's like focusing on jimmy stewart's face and how he's just like i'm in love with her yeah like and that's such a choice to make instead of like focusing on her and um yeah it was just like it was just very meticulous very well made and just gorgeous and grace kelly is just so so (laughs) pretty and everything she wears it's like the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen any woman put on ever. Um, she is just something to behold. Um, but yeah, I just I just yeah, I just had a good time watching it. I gave it like a nine out of ten, four and a half out of five. I just thought it was really well made and like I don't think it I don't think like the story itself is i was kind of waiting on like a hitchcock twist and that kind of didn't happen and so you know i was just kind of like okay that was a fun ending but like yeah i just i really liked it (laughs) so um yeah i recommend watching rear window from alfred hitchcock it's it's pretty dang good
1: i think i should go on like a hitchcock binge at some point like a lot of like his big ones i haven't
2: seen you will in December. All of them are pretty much going to be on Criterion. Oh, no, shit! exciting. They, have a, they have a collection called the Hitchcock. I think it's called Hitchcock Christmas, but I think it's just pretty much every Hitchcock <laughs> film. Yes.
0: <laughs> Amazing. So, alrighty. Well, that concludes
1: um, recently watched. our recently what watched what we've
0: been watching lately, which takes us to Tots.
1: Title of the
0: show, 1990s Chris Columbus feature film starring Macaulay Culkin and a lot of other people, which we will talk about. Home Alone. <laughs> All right, Bear, this is your pick. Tell us about moment. Home Alone, what it's about, and why you chose Home Alone for your festive December pick
2: yeah home alone is a movie about a bunch a i think i think in the movie they would describe themselves as <laughs> middle class. But.
0: Oh my god, they are not middle class. Oh my god, we can get into this in a the second. The web um,
1: don't rob the middle class.
0: Exactly. These people are going yeah. to Paris for Christmas. They are not middle class.
1: And it's like 17 <laughs> um, people going to Paris. Okay.
2: Well, it's the whole family. It's Because it's if you look at the picture, it's not oh. the whole family. Yeah, I know. Because that, that's a lot of people get confused is that they think that everyone that goes to Paris is... Part of the family, and it's not. It's no, the, it's like you know cousins, cousins and, and aunts are, and uncles. Yeah,
0: all of that, but still. Um,
2: but yes, so the it's the about a family going
0: that they live in is but not like, middle class. To <laughs>
1: have a, to have like multiple parts of your family have enough money to all go to Paris for Christmas. It's like that's not. <laughs> that's that's definitely not middle class energy.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, um, but yeah, they they're going to Paris, and it's. As they as they leave for the airport, the power the power goes out the day before, so they're late. They're running late to the airport, getting picked up, and they as soon as they get to the airport, they forget uh, Kevin uh, at the house, and so then from there, it's about Kevin uh, living home alone for the holidays while the the. Well, yeah, I guess you could say like that subplot for the family is Catherine O'Hara trying to get back to Kevin, to her child, um, while at home, at home with Kevin, it's him trying to survive and then slowly uh, get away burglars from breaking in Joe Pesci, and his uh, counterpoint. Uh, trying to break into the middle-class house <laughs> and steal. <laughs> and, uh, and steal everything. Yeah, well, I know. Middle-class house. Yeah, quote-unquote. Yeah. But it is a... It's a movie that takes place around Christmas, and it is my favorite Christmas movie um, because it's something where I've just watched it every, every year, pretty much. I, I realized it. Originally, I was going to pick christmas vacation which was also written by john hughes um and that's my family's like favorite movie that they watch all the time my mom has it on like all months of the year um and freddie knows like that is something that like my family quotes all all the time when they came for graduation (laughs) i don't know Margot. (laughs) (laughs) um but, like, as I was thinking about it and I was telling people, like, yeah, I can do Christmas Vacation. I kept slowly in the back of my brain going, but I always watch Home Alone every year. Like, that is always, like, if I miss it, I get upset that I watched it. Whereas the other ones, like, I can watch them and it's fine. But this one I always put on. And I remember that it's because uh, my, my grandma, my mom's mom, Nani, she loves uh, this movie. And specifically because she has a very acquired taste of movies. She was the movie person that got me into movie. Both of my grandmas did. But like my nani, she watched the Oscars. She loved she loved movies. Her favorite genres were dancing movies. So like musicals or anything that involved dancing or what my family soon described kicked in, kicking in the groin movies, <laughs> which would be Home Alone and, and mainly gangster movies and stuff. And so she loved this movie because it has Joe Pesci, who's in countless of gangster movies any countless times on Turner classic movies yeah. um, <laughs> that she always had on in the house. Um, but this was the one that she always wanted me to put on on Christmas because the whole time it's always L for any, anything else. And she wanted home alone because the last like 30 minutes of this film, I just, every time I watch it now that she's passed, like I just still hear her laughter like for each punch each Aww. thing even even the point of that i brought up to my family like the big the big one that i still hear a voice is when uh kevin realizes he's home alone and it cuts to that song cue of just the yow <laughs> she would always <laughs> say the yow <laughs> and then just laugh just laugh at macaulay calkin like being a kid and i think she was just like macaulay Culkin. Says,
0: yeah like he like kind of solemnly says i wished my family away and then there's like the montage of like, all of the, all yeah. of the like crappy things they said to him the night before. And he's like, I made my family disappear. Okay.
1: I made my <laughs> family disappear. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. that's like, really it's, sweet. It's just, yeah, it's just something where like now, like, there's so many movies that live on with her that like, cause she was the one that showed me Greece. She, she showed me like so many movies. But like this one, it's like always. Like she's still, I guess like she's still, she's still here with me every, every time I watch it. And I always make sure I give my attention to the film instead of it just being on as like background noise. I always make sure I'm on the couch watching it in full. For grandma. For grandma. Yes. For Nanny. What are are you guys' relationship with this movie?
0: Um, yeah, I definitely, I can't remember like the first time I watched Home Alone. Because this movie came out one year before I was born. And so I'm sure it was just kind of just in my life before I was even sentient, you know, like, so (laughs) I just have always known about Home Alone. I don't have like a specific um, moment, you know, like a core memory where I'm like, this is the first time I watched it and this is what I thought about it but i've always known about kevin and i've always you know you know you you uh, you know when, when i think about home alone i think about him putting on the aftershave and you know just his face uh, <laughs> thats is the most iconic thing yeah. and so i think that's so good they do it twice yeah two times <laughs> no yeah and i just you know it's i don't think it's something that i have a super strong connection with in my family but it is something that i've seen you know several times at least bits of it you know on cable Mm -hmm. television like oh Home Alone's on (sighs) you know it's already already like half an hour in and you just watch the rest of it kind of thing like it's not something that my family is like let's put on Home Alone Um, so half
1: an hour in is probably almost exactly to the The point where he almost gets (laughs) ran over by the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) what is your relationship Um, Freddie
1: I have seen this movie a lot Um, and it was just one of those movies where it's like... I kind of ended up seeing it every... every like, every single year, it seems like. And now... Faith it's, loves it. Faith loves it. This yeah. is like Faith's favorite Christmas movie. So now so it's button. like I'm seeing... God. it.
2: faith Faith. I, it's I it's like I got good taste.
1: Holiday something. this? Yeah. So, she does have good God. taste.
0: Faith, if you're listening, shout out to Faith. With shout good out. taste in Christmas movies. Shout, shout out,
1: out to Freddy's my wife.
0: wife. That's my
2: wife. <laughs> my wife.
1: Um... <laughs> but yeah recast- so she loves it so we we watch it um, this is like the second time I've seen it this year yeah <laughs> um, but oh, I remember it, like even too. when I was a kid though growing <laughs> up with it like I really liked Home Alone and I liked Home Alone 2 I remember watching Home Alone 3 as a kid and I don't even know how I felt about it I know how I feel about it now but we don't have to get into Home Alone 3 um yeah. but it's not that bad it's like just okay but it is weird that it's like
2: it's weird because it yeah it's not Macaulay Culkin yeah. they don't really understand as much because that's the you thing with 2 is, is like two, 2 captures the magic but it still has that like sequel-itis where you're like yeah but I mean it's the same thing like okay yeah. and then is the thro- just like
1: Oh. <laughs> Keep this with you, and we'll remember each other. I don't remember. What he said. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway, but yeah, no, it's
1: like it, if you watch Home Alone three, and it becomes very apparent just how much like Macaulay Culkin is the secret sauce for these movies. Um, for sure, that and Joe Pesci, yeah, <laughs> um, and, and Hughes, yeah, and Hughes is writing, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, but it's you know I've seen it a lot. I like Home Alone. Did it's Chris Columbus time.
0: also direct Home Alone two?
1: Uh, yes okay Okay,
0: so the secret sauce is John Hughes, Chris Columbus Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin. and Joe Pesci
1: and Catherine O'Hara take notes Hollywood where's your next movie coming out
0: (laughs) give us Macaulay
1: give us the Culkin
0: (laughs) um okay um yeah speaking of Catherine O'Hara she's just I mean I love her I love her to death um the way she says certain line well she has the iconic Kevin Kevin, <laughs> Kevin! <laughs> I hope I pulled my mic back far enough
2: for me to <laughs> say Well
0: that. I pulled
1: my mic back at the same time so one of them probably got it
0: <laughs> Um no but when she's at the airport and she's she's at the Scranton airport and she's trying yeah. to get a flight on Christmas Eve to Chicago. <laughs> and the way she says... Which is still
2: the O'Hare airport. The way
0: that she says the term, but it's Christmas, isn't this... Um, I'm, on, I'm looking at the. Isn't this the season of perpetual hope? But the way she says it, I can't even do it. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's cynical then, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. She's like, Isn't this the season of perpetual hope? Like, give well, me my fight. <laughs>
2: well, um, because before that, the lady's Viana like, I, I can't plan. do anything. Yeah. And she, yeah, she points at the, the other customer. She's like, Oh, okay, go ahead. And then once the other she's customer like, puts like, out yeah. her ticket, that's when she comes back in. Yeah, she's and she's yeah. like, No, she fuck it. Well, you have your ticket. <laughs>
0: (laughs) No, yeah, it's... She has... Her delivery is amazing. Um, And so I just... My mom
2: loves... My mom loves the line love where so they get they get to the Paris airport and they steal the phone yeah. from the yeah. one lady yeah. and she's given all the instructions, but then once when she gets onto the phone with the, with the boyfriend, <laughs> she, she just goes, she goes, what, what, hello, <laughs> huh? hello, she'll call you back. Call you back.
0: <laughs> but she does, she, she's so, she's really good at delegating. She's like, okay, you call our neighbors. Okay, you call this person. Yeah. Okay. And then she's on the phone with whoever was just talking to the yeah. lady. She's like. Who is this? (laughs) I've been there before. (laughs) Oh, she's amazing! Like I, I think she, her, her as the mother, and like at the end, she, she, she plays the like kind of being a terrible mom at the beginning, Mm -hmm. and then playing the grief you know like she is giving she's given herself a really hard time yeah and then the way like the way she delivers like i'm so sorry to kevin when they like they reunite at the end i'm like oh that is so sweet yeah like, she does it all she can do anything the like,
1: range, oh, the range. Hara,
2: yeah it's such a
0: if you're listening it's such a different performance <laughs> than
2: beetlejuice
0: yeah, she <laughs> because can like just it's such a different performance
2: than Beetlejuice. Because she in Beetlejuice, she is playing a mother as well. But with Beetlejuice, it's like she's so wrapped up in her in her art and everything that she kind of really doesn't like. Her family has kind of sidelined the the whole movie in, in her mind in that movie. Um, and so to have her play like. Somewhat the same character at the beginning of Home Alone with Beetlejuice, of not that her family doesn't care, it's just the the thing that John Hughes captures in Christmas Vacation of like the the holidays are so stressful already, and the fact that everybody's at this house, and then she knows that everyone has to leave at a certain time the next day to get the like that is so insane. So like any minute thing of like where's the milk or anything is gonna like trigger you know just trigger your mom. Like you, you've had those moments. You're like, well, we can't talk. <laughs> I can't talk to my parents because they're like at their they're at their boiling point yeah. yeah so then yeah get get to the end where it's like she's like like literally like mother yeah. of like mother figure like her, of just her like priority oh my god is
0: being a mom in yeah. that moment and yeah. it's so warm and sweet and so precious and I, I just, it, it moved me a lot. I was like, "Okay, it's so sweet." Like, mm. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: that's what that's what I do every single time he looks out the window at the end, oh my and he God. sees his neighbor. I'm like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, like, because like this movie was shot in February, and I think like it was like one of those rare Chicago like times where i think they started wrapping filming in may and it was one of those like may like snow times where like that that was real snow in chicago and it wasn't it wasn't something that they had a fake so like the whole ending of like the snow just that's what really hits hard with with me of just being living in chicago and seeing those types of winters and being like god damn they really capture the magic versus like other like movies like gremlins where you can tell that it's shot on a sound stage (laughs) like like you don't you don't see like the the fog of like the breath or anything and it's just like just fake snow and you're like yeah i mean i guess it's christmas but okay
1: well with your Um, with your real chicago ass experience do you have any other tidbits you want to tell us about?
2: Yeah, Chicago. Yeah, right? I mean I mean like the thing is is like John it is no brainer that John Hughes loves Chicago. <laughs> um growing up around the area and everything. So a lot a lot of his movies are filmed Pierce in Chicago. Wheeler. He like Ferris Bueller, Breakfast Club, Breakfast Club. Um, even movies that he had somewhat to deal with, like A in Babysitting or Sixteen, can- or yeah, movies that he was involved with, Sixteen Candles, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Like the list goes on and on of this dude's like death row of like screenwriting. He had sixteen from since Mister Mom in nineteen eighty four to Home Alone nineteen ninety. He had sixteen movies that he wrote, sixteen screenplays. Um, yeah he
0: was just pranking them out,
2: yeah yeah and and with it it's like the like I was saying uh before when we're recording and stuff like the the house that or we're kind of hinting at the house that they live at is in winna uh Winnita, illinois like the north north shore of Chicago, and like you can visit the house like it's not like you yeah, know I've, really blocked off or anything i've I have um, some friends who there. have seen it, yeah. Can you break yeah. in? If you say it was for the movie. <laughs> no, it was for the movie. But the, but the thing is, is that the the inside of the house is a soundstage. It's that the house does not actually look like what it is in the movie. Um, the other fun facts is like John Candy scene was shot in a day because he just wanted to do it. John Candy was <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I can, I can come by. Like, it was like a favor and like that because John Candy loves John Hughes. And he's like, yeah, we can do it. And all of his scenes took like... Less than a day to the point where like they were wrapping up and then once he left, like that's the final footage that they got.
0: Who's John Candy?
2: The, he's, the, he's, he's the polka, polka king. Polka polka polka. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know,
0: poca poca. Okay. I mean, I thought I recognized him, but yeah. I
2: Yeah, I mean he was he? in Play yes. Trains in automobiles too. Oh, okay. and yeah. automobiles. Okay. I thought I
0: recognized him. Okay.
2: Also Uncle Buck, another John Hughes movie. Yeah. Um and so yeah, which also is with Macaulay Culkin. Um, yeah, that was a funny yeah, scene like, of um,
0: John Candy and Catherine O'Hara in the back yeah. of the truck, and they're just—he's just talking about how all of them are just bad parents. And he, she's like, she goes, "Have you ever gone on a trip and left your kid?" And he like looks at her for a long time, and he goes, "No,
1: <laughs> no." And then he's like, "I did leave my kid in a funeral home one time."
0: Though. He didn't speak for seven or eight weeks, but he's fine. Kids yeah. are resilient. <laughs> it was
1: the most fucking Midwest yeah, response. Like, yes,
0: yeah, like, no, like, for real, like boomer parent. Yeah. Midwest. The other that. the other
2: cool one is like the the house that Kevin floods like the neighbor house is was shot in a high school like the high school that like John Hughes like converted into like his makeshift like film studio for him and his like friends and stuff like that's like where his office was and everything. And so like they the the swimming pool that was in there that's what they built the house set in and then flooded it there. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, like other things, like, it's just, like, the small references of, like, Chicago is always, like, something where, like, people, like, talk about, like, in movies and they're like, oh, it's Chicago. But, like, New York is always, like, the big one where people go. And, like, New York is, like, the big one that everyone lives at and things. But whenever it's, like, Chicago, do you either, like, get the city or if it's, like, around the area, you don't really see much, like, anything else. And what John used, like, the classic thing that, like, I guess makes, like, why the movies that my parents love so much or people like in the Illinois area and Chicago area, it's just because of like the hints of like Chicagoisms. like, like in this one, he has the Michael Jordan cutout. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, Oh, like I know the bulls, like that's Michael Jordan. Or even in Christmas vacation with like, uh, uh, Clark Gueswell wearing the, the Blackhawks Jersey or even the Chicago bears hat and like things, things like the subtle things like that, where it's just like, Oh, it makes it feel lived in or even like with Ferris Bueller's Day Off where they go to Chicago and like they go to Wrigley and the the art museum and stuff where it's like, oh, like this is actually fun. And I think the only thing that really captures the city <clears throat> nowadays is the show The Bear. But yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's, kind of, it's kind of like a lost art at this point of like having Chicago be the second character but it's only because of like people like john hughes bill murray dan Aykroyd, like all these people that were from chicago or like were from the chicago scene of like second city and, and all that kind of stuff and just wanted to film there because a was cheaper and then b they just love they just love the city so much
0: cool cool well i also love chicago
1: yeah chicago is just a good ass city
0: it's a great city
1: love going to chicago um i know you were talking you were talking about the airport and how quickly they get to the airport um <laughs> before we started recording yeah we could talk
2: we could talk about 9-11 again <laughs> Another yeah. episode. oh god yeah
0: i, I yeah, did write like, I was that just... down um just before you start talking about that i said something like um pre-9-11 flight travel is crazy they just walk yeah because the dad yeah.
2: Well, because the dad, when they're leaving the house, the dad goes, or Uncle Frank specifically, the cheatscape Uncle Frank goes, We're never gonna make it. We're never gonna make it. And the dad's like, we got 45 minutes, Frank. We're we're good. And like I said, we're when it where the actual where the real life house is to O'Hare is a 35-minute drive. That alone, like even pre-9-11, like before TSA, that is Ridiculous! Yeah,
0: <laughs> ain't no way they made that flight <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like that. Like, and I've been in O'Hare. O'Hare is somewhat confusing in me, but I I'm have really—I'm not a frequent flyer. But I'm just like—I I, would have got lost to the point yeah. where my brother, when he came to O'Hare for the first time from North Carolina to O'Hare, he didn't realize where to exit from. And I had to pick him up, and I'm like, "Where are you? Like, what gate?" And he's like, "I don't know. I'm at something. I'm at a train." I'm like, "You're not supposed to get on a train." He ended up all the way into the international spot, <laughs> and I'm like, what? What are you doing over here? Yeah, yeah. It's
1: no, here's a, a weird big airport. airport. Like, yeah. But yeah.
0: All right. Um, what else about the the movie made you want to pick Home Alone? See there. Oh.
2: We got to talk about that John Williams score, baby. Oh, <laughs> the goat. The goat. When Why possibly when the you goat? talk. I mean like he's up there. He's <laughs> like I mean like there's there's him, there's I would I would I would champion Michael Aquino. He's one of my favorite film composers. Um, and like a bunch of a bunch of others, but with Williams, I think what's so special about Williams is how much his scores are not just like there's so many film composers where like they make film scores and you're like damn like that's really good like Hans Zimmer with the holiday and also like Hans Zimmer with Madagascar but then he also does like his Christopher Nolan runs of movies Hans Zimmer was the uh,
0: the composer for the holiday
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then he's also the film composer of Madagascar that's one also blows people's mind um But, like, when it comes to Williams, like, it's not that, like, Williams specifically picks, like, good movies. It's that when Williams does a score, that movie becomes the movie because of his score, if that makes sense. Where, like, when you think of Harry Potter, you think of that Harry Potter score. Yeah. Like, that's That's what makes Hogwarts Hogwarts. And when you think of Star Wars, you think of the score. Like, that's what makes Star Wars Star Wars. And with this, it's, like, to me, like what makes home alone so good is that John Williams score. Like it just feels like Christmas. It feels inviting and warm, just like Harry Potter. Yep. Which like when that
1: song plays, it's like, I'm watching this, like this, you could swap this. You could put this into the first two Harry Potter movies and it Mm -hmm. would feel like it, should be there Works. Yeah, chris columbus yeah. john williams yeah
0: those first two harry potter movies have a very specific kind of christmas feel yeah. to them it's a
1: so distinct yeah.
2: oh. and what's even crazier is he does this and then the next year he does jurassic park
0: because he <laughs> so is like, a goat like, <laughs> this,
2: this is, is why he's a, anger, go. a goat <laughs> yeah it's just it's just that melancholy of like a score that like is so good but then like he just understood the assignment of, like, the last half of this movie of, like, that bombastic, like, Looney Tunes vaudeville, like, comedy that's happening where, like, the score really starts popping off.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. He definitely does, like, a... He has, like, his core motif for the soundtrack of the movie that he's doing, and then he manages to... I mean, it's a motif, so that's what you do. But, like it mm-hmm. just it fits so perfectly into every other song like every other song that's in the movie is going to have that main motif show up there in like some way shape or form so then it's like super cohesive to this is what this movie sounds like and i could tell you what home alone sounds like in like 5 notes mm-hmm. so yeah
0: for sure yeah so love the score i love the slapstick physical comedy that we finally get to towards the end of the film the climax of the film i i think the last time i watched this movie was maybe two years ago i watched it earlier today in preparation for the podcast and oh my god i was laughing Mm -hmm. at these (laughs) goofy criminals you know incompetent criminals just
1: these wet mandates
0: by a little kid yeah um so funny there were just so many i mean i think also i think that says a lot about when joe pesci um when he the first thing like the first i guess shot is they go to the back door and he shoots joe pesci uh, with the BB gun yeah. through the doggy door, <laughs> the scream that yeah. Joe Pesci lets out when he gets shot is so high pitched. Um, I, I just I let out just like a guffaw. I was just that is and the so loony. funny. So and funny. like the
2: cartoon and like the cartoon like censorship that Joe Pesci has to do because that's yeah. the other fun thing. Yeah. is that like sure Joe Pesci is notorious yeah yes is <laughs> notorious for being a yeah. you know a sailor Sailing like a sailor and like in the movie because of Macaulay Culkin being like nine years old like he tried to tone it down until they finally did what you see in the movie but that like Looney Tunes like stop. Yeah. like he's like talking without actually saying anything yeah. yeah yeah and then
0: there's there's so many funny things that Macaulay I mean that Kevin does too um to these bandits, um, yeah, when when Marv they, goes to
2: the donkey door,
0: <laughs> hello, that shoots him in the head, yeah.
2: yeah. hello, yeah, hello, yeah. hello
1: delivery He's
0: so he's he's like, <laughs> I just love how he's just like, he's yeah, he's not afraid. The whole he's like, I got this, mm-hmm. no, but he, when yeah, he but sets no, up the feathers, for more, when he sets up the feathers with the fan. And the saran wrap. And he like uh, Joe Pesci walks through the saran wrap and just like covers his face in probably Vaseline or some shit. And then the fan blows feathers all over him and then he walks into the living room
1: Why the and hell he's like, Where your are, shoes are your
0: shoes? And the other guy goes, Why are you, like a, chicken? you look like a chicken?
1: Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? <laughs> oh my god it's so funny it's
0: it's, those two guys work together so well they're both so funny and i i i hearken back to probably a movie that i've watched more than home alone that was made in 1996 so it was is definitely after home alone but is fashioned so similarly to home alone Mm -hmm. which is the live-action Glenn Close, One Hundred and One Dalmatians, oh, okay. where Jasper oh, and Horace by John Hughes. are exactly—I <sighs> know—and like it's—it's it's, it's, it's not a rip-off because it's a John Hughes movie, but like it's like the way that Jasper and Horace go through the uh, almost identical, and it's like dogs are doing Scenarios, it to them. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. like I can't re-watch it's the that same movie. scenario. But I always watch Hundred and One Dalmatians during the holidays. I always watch the animated version and the live action version. So I'm, yeah, gonna, I'm gonna, be, gonna it's gonna be fun to that. like watch that movie right, right, right after Home yeah. Alone because you know it's so. I was just like, this is you so wanna, much like that.
2: You know crazy? Because yeah, that blew my mind is when I was looking at John Hughes is like you know what what he wrote thing. He also did Miracle on Thirty First Street, but then like he did Miracle on Thirty First Street, then he did Hundred and One Dalmatians, the so live action, and then the next year he did Flubber, and I was like, what the. I was like, Flubber? It's, "It's Flubber." It's Flubber. Like, Damn!
0: Wow, that's crazy.
2: I'm not going to say the line, Freddy, but I know what you're referencing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep that one. We don't need to do it. Um,
1: but keep we'll that
2: one under wraps. Yeah.
1: Anyway, um, it's just it is like there's so, so many good. there's like, so many it, like quality lines in this movie. Like the one that the the. One of the earlier lines that really cracks me up is when, he, when he's walking home after he steals the toothbrush and he's just like, "I'm a criminal." <laughs> he's,
0: the first morning. Yeah, he's, he's uh, watching that movie. He shouldn't be watching, and he goes, "Guys, I'm eating junk and watching rubbish. You better come out and stop me."
2: <laughs> my my family's favorite line is is when they're in the when the, when they're in the air on the airplane and it's on. Uncle Frank with his with his wife, and he oh goes, "Oh my it's god, real, it's it's real crystal, it's real crystal." He's like, "Here, put it in your purse." Just like what? He's like, "Put it in your purse." In your purse. <laughs> in your purse. <laughs> and the lady, then the lady's like, "You want some champagne?" He's like, "Yeah, fill it up." And then she like does like a normal point she's like, "No, no, no, fill it up." Yeah, <laughs> it's like Uncle Frank is so funny, but just the put it in your purse, like I don't know how many times my family has quoted that, like yeah, like when we're at the store or whatever, and we just go to my mom, I'm I'm like, put purse. it in your purse, <laughs> or when hair is all the
0: plane, and she needs to be consoled. And Uncle Frank is like, "If it if it means anything, I left my reading glasses." <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be also so like. Too. Especially now dad. that my Tim dad Tim is like, oh. "You better <laughs> shut not, up." Not to yeah. not to single out my dad. I know it's he's listening, but like, apparently he has reading glasses at every point in the house now. <laughs> so I like to have him be missing it too, it's really funny.
0: There are so many funny parts in this movie. It's a great comedy. It's a great... Honestly, it's a great, like, family comedy. So I guess we can kind of get into that. Um, That's kind of like a huge... You know, the reason why it's really kind of goofy and silly and slapstick. All up until basically, really, his relationship with his neighbor. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, they have a couple of conversations. Basically... Kevin is like responsible for his neighbor reconnecting with his son son, and therefore his granddaughter. And it's, you know, so, I mean, there is such a, uh, just meaningful aspect to that, that obviously is meant to tug at your heartstrings.
1: Yeah. Um, It's like, uh, it's like you have the, it's, it's kind of like the same story that is more or less happening with, Macaulay Culkin's character. It's like he he wants to reconnect with his family. Exactly. But this is like this crazy extenuating like circumstance that's like completely he's like, you know, over the top right for, now. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. it was like it's like over the top for the sake of it being this movie. But then you have like this really like genuine story that happens all the time yeah. across the country that is like the same theme yeah. that's just running parallel yeah. and it works.
0: And yeah, so if this yeah, and it- go ahead
2: it's also it's also the fact that like they use old man Marley in the in the POV of of a child like when you first meet old man Marley it isn't just like oh pity him it's he's scary yeah he's the scary he's the scary neighbor of like when buzz when buzz points him out he's like oh i bet he buries he's the guy where that you tell ghost stories about you know he's like oh he buries bodies with the salt and that's what he's been doing with the salt he's and all these things like there's all these rumors about the guy and every time kevin interacts with him like like when he's stealing the toothbrush like he steals it because old man marley shows up and he's like oh shit (laughs) like this this guy's gonna get me it's that it's that fear of like being a child and you you're experiencing the world for the first time and and that's what brings it home at the end of like wanting your family back because you're like i don't want to grow up because it's that typical thing when you're a child of like no like i hate these rules i hate my i quote unquote hate my parents because of like these rules and stuff and when i grow up i'm never going to do that and things but then when you do start growing up you're like eh, maybe maybe they're onto something here (laughs) and things and the with with Kevin like experiencing that in like the worst case uh, worst case scenario of like you know being home alone on Christmas and stuff like learning that with old man Marley like is so great
0: mm-hmm. of like oh, I was...
2: not just like viewing him scary but viewing him as a as a human.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say like if this was not a comedy, if this was not like a situational comedy this would be a very traumatizing experience for a young kid to be left at home by yourself at christmas and literally have to fight off burglars who want to kill you yeah uh but it is a slapstick comedy and it is cute and it's this kid and he's like "I, i you know i'm the man of the house yeah but like if it were if this happened in real life
1: yeah, and I do think Kids that... are not that resilient, especially, <laughs> yeah. when, like,
0: kids that are as young as Kevin. Like, that would be a very Eight traumatizing old. Yeah. experience for an eight-year-old kid.
1: I think that, but and I do think that the way that Macaulay Culkin's character, like, the way that Kevin is, is, like, super integral to it not coming across like that. Because it's exactly. like, Kevin is one of those, it's one of those kids in a movie that you see all the time where it's like this is like a this is like a 42 year old man in like a child's body and like he just carries himself around like that and then he's like doing the when he's like telling himself what he did for his morning routine well he's like Mm -hmm. it's like right before he puts the aftershave on he's like i went and i i scrubbed every every part of my body including (laughs) in between my toes and in my belly button which like i no, normally, don't do, but I kind of liked it. It's like, it's like, it's like or when he so goes goofy. to the grocery store and, yeah. like,
0: is you know, she's like, What is it? He's like, It's for the kids. Like, he's yeah. kind of pretending to be an adult. Old man. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Um, very, very cute. Um, where, where do you cute. live? I can't tell you that. Why? Because you're
2: a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Very cute um, performance. Speaking of cute, Kieran Culkin is so
1: cute. Fuller? Is, oh, yeah. He's
2: a yeah. little kid with red Ta- glasses. Mm-hmm. Oh, talk shit. about piss. Yeah, you talk about piss boy?
1: <laughs> piss boy. <laughs> he gets hit with the... He gets squished with gets the chair. He gets squished with the chair.
2: Yeah. Oh. oh, Kieran,
0: he's so little.
2: <laughs> yeah. Fuller, he's done the Pepsi.
0: I honestly didn't <laughs> clock the, you know, ever, really, the mystical quality that this movie has, which yeah. is he does wish for his family to disappear and they do and there is like this like because of his wish the power goes out and that's why he got left mm-hmm. because they well, were it's like in a the rush wind. Yeah, and, it's like you know it's kind of like
2: it's like the wind you know maybe maybe it
0: was you know happenstance but the movie certainly goes out of its way to kind of portray his wish as like okay you want your family to be gone Alright, your family will be gone. Yeah. See what it's like without your family. Kinda, you know, that, that typical, you know, learn your lesson and learn to love your family kind of yeah. um mystical trope. I I, I I guess I guess I never it was it took this watch for me to be like, I didn't realize that it was like like almost like the universe granting his wish yeah. in a way. Um, I think
1: that you could realistically do like a full read of this movie from a Uh, like religious aspect with that in mind Mm. and how much like Christianity like shows up in this
2: movie yeah
0: going to church and yeah yeah for sure (laughs) well
2: yeah I mean it even goes to like after rewatching 2 like it bleeds into that of like it, it 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 happens again. Him getting home alone, but this time it was because he he mistaked a stranger as his dad to get onto a different plane to New York instead of Miami. But then at the end. At the end, he's like at the Rockefeller Center. And I think he's talking to like that that statue. And he goes, "Hey, like I forget who he says, but he's like, I, I would love to see my family again." Like at the end of the movie, and that's when Catherine O'Hara shows up. And he looks, and he's like, "Mom." And he looks back at the statue, and goes, "That was quick." <laughs> like, thanks for <laughs> that. that. Like, they even like make aware of like <laughs> like how how like mystical like this stuff Mm -hmm. is and even in the first movie like it's because of those like shot like the Sam Raimi style like cinematography that they do where it's like the close up on the Santa the close up on like the the wind and like the power lines and then then they go out and like all that stuff so it is just like built it's just setting up so that the fact that like if they did sleep in then everyone would just question like why
0: yeah so speaking of cinematography oh
2: yeah um.
1: So, I one thing that I really like, I just love the shot of the the steps with the tar at the end of it, <laughs> where, like, you don't see what's happening. You just see they just, like, slowly follow up the steps, and it's, like, one shoe on this step, one shoe on the other step. Then it's the sock. Then it's the other sock. And then you finally get to the feet. And then you see him, like, step on that nail. Like, it's so... It just works so well. Oh, yeah. Like, um,
0: like panning upwards. Yeah.
1: I will say the other thing... That's a
0: great yeah. little sequence.
1: The The other thing that I think of every single time I watch this movie is the scene where he sleds down the steps.
0: Oh, it's so good. It's, it's so like a cute. POV shot. Every yeah. single time
1: I watch it, though, I'm like... He needs to go down the steps and go, like, two feet to the left to go out the front and door. And there's no way he turned that slab. He like,
0: definitely ran into the frame of the yeah. door.
1: And that's the thing every... And it's, like, it's so... It is literally meaningless, but every single time I watch the movie, mm-hmm. I just think about the mechanics of getting himself to not plow face first at, like, 15 miles an hour into their front... Into, like, the wall right yeah. next to their front door. yeah
0: for sure no i that's one of those things you have to kind of suspend your disbelief because it's just fun it's a very fun shot i'm sure chris Columbus was like this is gonna be fun pov shot we're gonna put some camera on a sled going downstairs going you know literally flying (laughs) over the steps um yeah um do we want to go into our ratings for this movie
1: um yeah (laughs) is there anything else you want to say connor
2: no, I think I could just wrap it up with the ratings of just yeah, this movie is this movie's pretty pretty much perfect like it is just what I consider the ultimate Christmas movie just the encapsulation of just everything of just what what I think of when I think of Christmas, I think of home alone. And I think of everything that that we talk about of just like the whole family dynamic, of, like the family theme that, that is prevalent through the movie all the way to like the slapstick comedy. It just it just has it all. It's something that like my dad was telling me over Thanksgiving where he's like the movies that he watches that he notices are mainly like comedies. And it's because of the fact of like like he, he goes, the good the good comedies are the ones where you're watching it and you're still laughing. Even sure. though yeah. you you know what's coming mm-hmm. and you can quote it, like my family with this movie, Christmas Vacation, Elf, like all these movies that my mom likes because she loves Christmas movies, but even these movies, like there's, there's still like times where I'm busting a gut laughing at yeah. this stuff because it's so comical. Uh, yeah, but, I think yeah, the same can be
0: said for pretty much any genre of movie like you know take horror for example like it's a good horror film if you're still watching it for the 12th time and you're still scared or it's a great you know drama if you're watching it for the 20th time and it still makes you cry and um, I just think that is a testament I mean obviously you love this movie would you give it five stars
2: Yeah. yeah I'm gonna give it a 10 out of 10 this is a time this is a timeless movie this is something where they will it'll still be on f- whatever it's free form, whatever the next form of free form or ABC Family. <laughs> yeah, will always be 25 twenty five days of Christmas. It's
0: Definitely on Disney yeah, Plus right now. So
2: it's a ten out of ten.
0: Ten out of ten. All right. Do you want to go 10. next? Buddy?
1: Um. Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, this is like we were saying earlier. This is just a classic. Um, uh. <sighs> It's kinda of hard for me. I've never thought really thought about what my rating would be for Home Alone. I would say I would probably give it a solid four, 11 months out of the year. And then in December it's one hundred percent a five out of five.
0: <laughs> That's a really great way of putting it. I love it.
1: Like it's I see it every single year. I can't I can't. And it just makes you smile and it's yeah. fun.
0: And it's like, yeah, of course. Like It is a timeless Christmas movie. I also would probably give it four out of five stars. You know, eight out of ten. Like, I just, I think it's hilarious. I do think it takes a little bit too long to get to the slapstick stuff. And that's not necessarily anything wrong, but I felt it on this watch. I was just kind of like, I didn't realize that not only so yeah i basically just kind of thought the best part of the movie to me is kevin fending off the wet bandits yeah and it 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 doesn't last long enough and it takes so long to get there Mm -hmm. and so i almost want it to kind of be like one of those like third three act kind of things where it's like in the first act they try to get in in the yeah. second act they get in and he you know and then the third act is like the final battle kind of thing Um because then it would have just been more of that throughout the yeah. movie but I mean which
1: isn't that what Home Alone 2 is I
0: think so but yeah. honestly it's been a long time since kind I've of. seen Home Alone 2 so I can't really speak yeah. on that and that's not really you know Total what Home we're talking Home about but like, for, I just think that to
2: get to it too I just mm-hmm. yeah
0: and so I don't, it, I don't think that makes it a bad movie because there's so many other things going on. There's so much other things going on yeah. that are just as important and fun. So, like, yeah, I just think that's more of, like, a preference for me. Um, so, yeah, I also gave it four out of five. I think it's a solid movie, obviously. It's a classic. Yeah. It's something that when it's on, it's like, oh, it's Home Alone. And yeah. you get to, like, oh, this is when this happens and this is when this happens. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of classics, um, classics, Letterboxd, which is a website we love, made a list in 2018 called what it
2: says.
0: 25 highest rated Christmas films of all time on Letterboxd. This is the last time they did it, so it's been five years, but um, I'll just kind of read the list synopsis. A Christmas movie is like a Christmas song. You don't want to listen to it except at Christmas. Letterbox co-founder Carl threw the cat amongst the pigeons when we sat down to figure out your 25 highest rated Christmas films for 2018. So we made up some rules, duked it out for a week, and came up with this fine festive fair. Oh, you want to talk about Die Hard? You can do that here. So basically, Die Hard's not on this list because uh, one of their rules was the movie had to be released during christmas in between thanksgiving and christmas um so yeah i'm just going to rattle off the top 10 starting with number 10 home alone nice (laughs) number nine is a christmas story number eight is the 1947 version of miracle on 34th street number seven is the muppet christmas carol number five six is black christmas Mm -hmm. a horror film
1: which one Does it say what year the 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 original original. one
0: 1974 number five is meet me in st louis from 1944 i've never seen it number four is 1951 scrooge so we get christmas carol muppet version and scrooge in the top 10 number three is the Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Number two is Tokyo Godfathers from 2003, and the number one Letterbox Christmas film is It's a Wonderful Life from 1946. And the reason why I am rattling off these films in this list is because I kind of wanted to give a little, I guess, hint, a little, nod. a little, a little uh, uh, a sprinkle, yeah, of what's to come in the month of december for triple feature but all three of our picks this month are in the top 10 of that list what
1: nice so, home alone was on there
0: <laughs> so it's almost like we have pretty good taste in christmas movies yeah so i don't you know what that's like so yeah um so home alone definitely <laughs> um and There's... then freddie's pick oh, for next week
1: yeah what, i wonder what's
0: your favorite christmas movie freddie
1: wow. You said it was on this list. I don't know. It's weird. Like, uh, it's pretty high on the list. Yeah, I don't know. Well, oh. this this Tokyo <laughs> Godfathers movie that's on there, number two, like number some weird two. movie from Japan that nobody's ever heard of. Like, nobody's who would ever even pick it, that? But it's anyway. Number two. Anyway, Tokyo Godfathers is a movie that I picked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so Tokyo Godfathers will be the movie that we will be discussing next week. It is like Freddie said, a Japanese.
1: It, it is Satoshi film, Kone, basically, yeah, aka yeah. one of the goats yeah. for anime. Um, Satoshi Kone. He did Paprika. Mm, um, he blue. did Blue, uh, perfect, blue. perfect
0: blue. Yes, he did. Perfect um, blue. Century. Um, actually, I can just look it up. Some of these, like some of these big films, Paprika, Millennium Actress yes. is another one. Um, those are the ones I know those are his top four films so very prolific filmmaker in Japan and it's got a 4.21 letterboxed
1: I'm so excited for you guys to see this movie yeah
0: I'm excited to watch it because I've never seen it and I'm excited to watch it for the first time Um, if any of you have Hoopla it is a streaming service where you it is free if you have a library card um, kinda like canopy. Um, so it's ba- kind of based on your region. Anyway, I have hoopla and it's on hoopla, so I could watch it for free. Um pretty sure this is going to be Freddie's pick for our Double Datesies uh Christmas movie. Yeah. So we'll probably be watching it together. But um yeah, I think that's it otherwise you can rent it on uh Voodoo, iTunes, Amazon, or rent it from your local library. Um, There's
2: also other free ways to watch it, too.
0: Are there? What are they, Connor?
2: Yes. And you can also watch it on the Roku channel with ads. Ooh. You can also watch it on Tubi with ads. Ooh. And you can also watch it on Pluto TV with ads. Wow. And also, so if you yes, really like ads, are.
0: you can watch it for mm-hmm. free.
2: But, yes. Or, like we said, I'll like. Well, we, we'll be saying for the time... Amazon, Voodoo, iTunes, YouTube, uh available to rent and buy.
1: And uh, hoopla yeah. for free. So what I'm getting is there is no reason that y'all should not watch this movie before uh this next episode of the podcast because there is like eight ways for you to watch it and not spend any money. Exactly. So. <laughs>
0: y'all Connor, have you seen this Tokyo movie? Tokyo Godfathers.
2: No, I've not seen this movie. It's on the it's it's on the list of like like when jerry was like indoctrinating me into anime <laughs> like it, it was just like one of those like it's on the back burner but because like he just kept forcing anime like down the throat i'm like we gotta chill man yeah so like well you watch pepper it's like you? no like i okay. i haven't even seen perfect blue like it's just been on there because like i've like i've slowly been like reintroducing like not even just foreign films but like mainly like anime it's just like I, I gotta get i gotta get into the right mindset for anime i know this one i'm definitely gonna enjoy but it's like i still need to see perfect blue i still need to see paprika i still need to see like uh i still need to see like a bunch of like those like uh kid ghibli ones like like the the, the guy that did your name like all of his other movies yeah like i need to see weathering for you and stuff so yeah like I, I, got a, I got a whole list, but, you know. Okay,
1: well, good. It's, we got two newbies that have never seen Tokyo Godfather, so I'm maybe, excited for the two of you to see this. And maybe a whole lot
0: of other newbies yeah. that are listening.
1: Yes, because this is, like, this is my... I need to watch this every single uh, holiday time movie. I'm like, so this so is excited. my go-to every single year. I'm like, I got to watch Tokyo Godfathers. It's so good.
0: So, so, so oh, excited to do this. Yes. <laughs> All yeah. right, so... That's it for today. Watch Tokyo Godfathers before next week, uh, before our next podcast, I should say. And uh, make sure you rate and review us on your, wh- however you listen to, to us, so that we can get more listeners. And follow us on Instagram, triple feature pod. And all of those fun things that we do. Um, Make
2: sure to share the podcast, too. Yeah,
0: talk to your friends and family. Hey, I was listening to Triple Feature the other day, and those guys are so funny and, like, (laughs) so insightful, and they just say the best things about movies, so we definitely should listen to them. Anyway, um, not to toot our own horn or anything, but... (laughs) Toot toot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your... Day, evening
1: Day, evening, middle Music of the night Whenever you're listening to this in.
0: <laughs> As we
1: speak. See you tomorrow <laughs> Bye good Bye Bye